Pull that pass to Plunk. Here come the Aces on the run. The Energizer looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show, show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance three. Chance three. The Energizer. What a three from half court. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There are six seconds to go. And the Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three. To give the aces the lead. The doctor is now in, 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 in. Glad to have you with us here on a Tuesday edition. Why do I start singing? Just what I do, I guess. I start dancing. You want to start? Want me to dance, Chuck? No, please, your God. No. <laughs> Glad to have you with us here. Terrible Tuesday edition. That's where we get to vent our frustrations. So we'll have plenty of terrible Tuesday takes for you coming up this hour. Also, Scott Savloff will join us. The greatest television golf producer of all time. That's right. Scott Savloff will join us. We'll talk the latest about the LIV Tour, the Open coming up. And I'm going to ask, why, why, why is it not the British Open anymore? It still irritates me. That's coming up in a few weeks. So uh, all things golf and other things. And plus, he will give us the live report with the big seven-footer in the golf tournament in Chicago last week. Golfing with Artis Gilmore, Tony Kukoc, and several others. So we'll have some fun with us. Scott Savloff, he will join us next hour. And our good friend over at Red Rock Casino, Chuck Esposito, will join us. We'll talk all things gambling, all things sports wagering with Chuck regarding baseball, NFL futures, Stanley Cup finals. What was that handle like? That and a whole lot more coming your way on the show. So a lot to hit on here today. And also, you will get a chance to hear from the MVP, Asia Wilson. Always fun with her. Talk to Asia about... uh, Asia's dance moves, Asia's corny dad jokes, and we'll get some basketball in there as well, too. And as we know, Asia Wilson, part of the All-Star festivities again in her fourth year. Asia, along with Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum, making the uh, the All-Star team. And the uh, reserves will be announced in uh, a little bit later on today as well, too. We'll see if potentially the Aces have another ace or two on there. Maybe Chelsea Gray. Um, Chelsea Gray did not play last night. She did not travel with the team because she has some uh, family emergencies that she had to attend to. But despite that, the Aces were still victorious last night as the Aces got the job done last night in Los Angeles. Aces defeat the LA Sparks 79 to 73. They snapped a two game losing streak. As we remember the two games this past week, actually the Aces had a three-game homestand where uh, they won the first game against Minnesota and then had a couple tough games. I mean, all three were tough games in that Minnesota game. You know, you, they had to rally to win in that game. But then you go to the game against the Chicago Sky, which was just pure craziness where the Aces had a 28-point lead in the first half. 
blew the 28-point lead, ended up losing by 9, 104-95 in that game to Chicago. How are the Aces going to respond two nights later when they took on the Washington Mystics? And uh, it wasn't good. They had some some ill effects, a little hangover effect from that game. And Elena Deladon and the Washington Mystics came in and beat the Aces for the second time this year. So a little bit alarming considering that you lost two home games. First time that the Aces lost two in a row, whether it be a road or away. But to lose two home games like that, rather concerning, especially considering that before that, they only had one home loss, and that was to the Connecticut Sun in a back-to-back situation where they beat Connecticut you know, going back four weeks ago, and then two nights later, the, uh, the Aces lost to Connecticut. But So your home losses are to Connecticut, Chicago, and now Washington, all three perennial playoff teams year in and year out, and they will be there in the postseason, no question about it. Becky Hammond was not happy with the performance with those games, and you wonder, okay, now you got a, a short turnaround. We have a game last night in Los Angeles. Granted, the Aces have defeated the Sparks on two prior occasions. They're 2-0 against them and really handily won those games. What was going to happen? Well, news came out about Chelsea Gray that she was not going to travel with the team, accompany the team, so there's a little bit of concern. The Sparks just came off a huge win against Seattle where they blasted them a couple nights earlier. And the Sparks are more healthy now than they have been. Of course, you have Liz Cambage. And uh, so they played last night in Los Angeles at the, what, Crypto.com Center. I still want to call it the Staples Center. But anyway, yeah, so the game last night, uh, it was back and forth. Aces fell behind early, basically down close to double digits in the first half. But they did uh, battle back nicely, had a nice second quarter where they turned things around. And uh, second half, Aces held on for the victory, 79-73. So it, they did snap the two-game losing streak and uh, improve their record to 14-4. and So without Chelsea Gray, that meant that Kelsey Plum was going to have to run the point, which Kelsey Plum really has not done for a good portion of her career. When Bill Lambier was here, he tried to have Plum run the point. She didn't feel really comfortable there, you know, because she's always been basically a shooting guard, her, you know, her entire college career at Washington and then first couple years in the WNBA. But Kelsey Plum had to run the show last night, and she gives all the credit to Chelsea Gray, calling her the brains uh, behind the operation. But Kelsey Plum was fantastic last night, 29 points for KP. And then there's Asia Wilson. And Asia had 25 points last night and also – 11 rebounds. So without Gray, the Aces really needed to to have their two superstars, their two all-stars, along with Jack Young being the third, to really carry this team. Now, Jack Young was hurt early in this game, and she had a hand injury. So she had to go to the bench for a while. She ended up coming back. Jackie was not available after the game last night for press conference. So hopefully this is not more serious of an injury. As we know, Jackie Young had that very ugly ankle injury that we saw going back three weeks ago at the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, she missed only two games, which was good. 
And she struggled the very first game back, but then she played very, very well in the two home games against Chicago and Washington. And uh, last night, they needed her to come up big. Jackie only had nine points, so only two aces in double figures. So you put all that together, no Chelsea Gray. Jackie Young maybe at 50%, and you're thinking, wow, aces is probably going to struggle. But Asia Wilson put this team on her back, her and Kelsey Plum. They just refuse to lose because Becky Hammond doesn't like to lose. She doesn't like to lose at any point in time, let alone at home, let alone two home games in a row. And that's what was happening here as they headed into Los Angeles last night. Well, this campaign actually played her best game against the Aces last night. She was very good. And so were the Sparks. But low-scoring game, neither team shot a high percentage, but the Aces had enough to get the win 29, or rather 29 for KP, 25 points for Asia Wilson, 11 rebounds. And again, there was just this refusal to let this team lose. You saw that, and you could see the emotion, you know, uh, with those players on the floor. And luckily, the Aces got a victory. Doesn't get any easier as the Aces have now got to go to Seattle to take on the Storm. That game will be tomorrow night, and then they continue the four-game road trip to Minnesota where they'll play the Lynx not once but twice over the course of the weekend. So they're basically playing every other day. Played last night, playing tomorrow night, playing Friday, playing Sunday. Then they'll be back here for the next home game against the New York Liberty uh, two days after the 4th of July. So next Wednesday will be the next home game with that. But congrats to the Aces for pulling out a six-point victory, 14-4, and still the best record in the WNBA, but obviously concerns uh, for for this team from an injury standpoint. And, uh, you know, what is going to happen with uh, Chelsea Gray? She will probably be gone the entire week, according to Becky Hammond, that Becky said last night after the game. On a positive front, Raquana Williams, she came back. She had missed the last 12 games, so they needed her last night. She came in immediately, hit a three, only played about 12 minutes last night. But uh, Becky Hammond did not want to bring her back too prematurely, because you want to have Raquana Williams, uh, the former sixth player of the year and the starter under Bill Lambeer for the last two seasons while Kelsey Plum and D.R.K. Hamby came off the bench. But Raquana Williams came in last night, hit a three, played 12 minutes, played good defense, looked like there was no ill effects whatsoever um, you know, from, from her injury. So Becky Hammond will ease her in slowly but surely. All right, we talk about the MVP. We talk about Asia Wilson. Uh, got a chance to sit down with Asia uh, before the game, for last night's game, and talking a little bit uh, about what has transpired, the losing streak, the, and the All-Stars, and a very great honor for her being named co-captain for the second time uh, in her brief career, and now a four-time All-Star, obviously the heart and soul and the franchise of the Las Vegas Aces, in our favorite, Asia Wilson. And as we know, the All-Star Game starters in the WNBA were announced the other day. Three aces named as starters, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young for the first time. Oh, and by the way, for the fourth time, and team captain, Asia Wilson. What is happening? Hey, how are you, TC? I mean, I'm glad to be here, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about uh, the All-Star nod once again? Oh, it's always a blessing. It really is. Uh, I, I got to shout out to everyone that voted for me, and we're going to have some fun in Chicago. Fourth All-Star selection, second time as a team captain. Honestly, does it ever get old? 
Um, no, it doesn't ever get old, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you never know in this league. There's so many great players. So for people to vote me top, uh, top voters uh, from the fans is truly amazing. You are a team captain. You're going to be a co-team captain with Brianna Stewart from the Seattle Storm. What does that basically entail as being a team captain? Are you calling all the shots here or what? Pretty much. I mean, I feel like I'm a GM, an owner. I'm all in one. Uh, I get to draft who I want to draft, so I'm excited to pick out my team because I don't want to start up anything, but Team Wilson won last time I was captain, so we're going to make the best of it. This is true. So what's your GM experience? Do you have any, any fantasy football uh, drafting experience or what's the deal? No, I, I don't know. I just go with the best players and, and that's it. I don't care what else they do. If they're the best, I'm getting them. <laughs> do you put much time and, and thought into this as a game plan or do you just kind of wing it? Uh, it's a mixture of both. I, I don't think about it now, but once I get into the room and I'm going against uh, Stewie, then I start really dialing down how I want my team to look. <laughs> going back to you being an all-star the very first time. Were you nervous about that or I recall that feeling? I was super nervous going out there. Uh, and I mean, that was when Maya Moore was playing. It was in Minnesota. So like, it was just a big, big deal. Uh, so I was super nervous, but it was a lot of fun just with my team. I mean, I was teammates with Diana Taurasi, like Sue, all of them. So it's pretty cool at, at a rookie age that I was able to be team with them within our season. Mm -hmm. Asia Wilson joins us. Uh, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, first time All-Stars. What advice would you give them about the game and the entire all-star game experience my biggest thing is just have fun just have fun like this is a moment where we really don't have to do anything but just play us and you're playing with alongside great players so uh i'm excited for them to have this opportunity in chicago and just really just have some fun so voting is underway for the rest of the roster we need more aces on this roster asia so give us your best promo <sighs> man everybody needs an ace in their life and i think chicago's missing some aces so add them up let's get them going and let's all have like a ton of fun you know, we've hosted this event here twice, and now it's going to be in Chicago this year. Talk about the experience here in Vegas, and obviously I know you're pretty excited about Chicago, but maybe compare the differences. It's like no other. Uh, Vegas All-Star with us is just incredible. I feel like it never fails. There's always something to do. And just the organization of it as a whole just puts on a really big show. So every All-Star is never going to be Vegas in my eyes. <laughs> We go back to last time we were here Tuesday, obviously not the way you guys wanted that to end. Uh, give us your thoughts on how you felt that game unfolded and what happened in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it sucked. It sucked. I mean, it was just like a downward spiral. It seemed like we couldn't stop the bleeding, but sometimes you need the games. I would much rather have a game like that now than in October. So it stings, it sucks, but that's the whole part of the game. Someone has to lose, and to lose like that is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So we are back in the gym. We're back to working hard and getting back to us. What was the focus with that, like, say, post-game and then, you know, a couple days of practice after? Just rest. Just rest. I mean, we can't dwell on that. We can't control that at all. They just played the one hell of a game. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and when we look at film, if you give us these shots, I mean, we're pros. We're going to knock them down, too. So we didn't really harp on it. Just go get recovery, and we're back at it. Asia Wilson joins us. Asia, you have played great so far this season. You've been great ever since you came into the league, as we know. What adaptions have you had to make, if any, in playing in Becky's system as, you know, we're 16 games into this season? Um, I'm not going to always get the basketball. <laughs> I think it, I was in a system where, uh, you know, Bill's system was surrounded by that, and I always got basketball, always got my touches, but I feel like in this system I'm not going to always get the basketball, And uh, but at the same time I can still produce for my team in ways that I need to. So. I think that's the biggest difference. And are you okay with that? And has it taken you time to kind of get used to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a pro about it. I'm, I'm going to adapt and adjust at the end of the day. Uh, I think my teammates understand what I bring to the table, what I'm capable of, and I, vice versa. So at the end of the day, I'm still going to be me and hopefully be a great teammate to my teammates. 
We've heard, you know, Becky talk about your defense. I've talked about it. A lot of people have talked about, you know, hey, she could be the defensive player of the year. Is that something that you've actually thought about or worked on even more? Or We always talk about offense, yes. and that's the nature of this game. Yes. But how important is defense to you? It's huge. It's huge. It really wins championships. Like, they're just the – I don't think people understand how much of a mental game defense really is, and that's what tests you. That's what separates good from great when you mentally tap in on both sides of the basketball. So I'm coming for that defensive player of the year coming for that MVP. I'm coming for it all because I'm just greedy and I'm a competitor, but uh, I take a lot of pride in my defense and making sure that my teammates understand that I'm back there and they can trust me. Final thing, what has been the most challenging thing for you this season? Getting outside of myself. <laughs> I feel like uh, it's me versus me in a, in a sense, and I sometimes hold myself back because of my own thoughts. So once I get out of that and, and, and just play, I think that's the best thing, but that's been the most challenging. Wait a minute. I, I lied. There's not one more thing. What is more important to you, Asia's dance moves or Asia telling jokes? Uh, I think Asia's jokes are better, better because it's just so funny. Like, you got to really think about it, and it's like, ha-ha, funny. So <laughs> I like the jokes better than my dance moves. <laughs> Wait, who comes up with the jokes? Do you actually write those? No, 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 no. They're given to me, and I just read them. <laughs> Give everybody just kind of a sense that who hasn't been here to the Mandalay Bay before the Michelob Ultra Arena about that what we're talking about here and what has been the funniest part of that for you oh man so my teammates have their mouths full of water and i'm telling them these corny 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 dad jokes and i'm over here dying laughing and i'm just waiting for one of them to spit and i think my favorite has to be what's the difference between a clock time and kp is time passes so <laughs> that's the funniest thing in the world uh, but yeah it's been a lot of fun so far <laughs> but sometimes you get drenched with water too right yes yes my teammates are crazy and of course they want to spit the water at me but it's okay i'll get them back <laughs> asia always great talking with you and uh, we'll talk to you soon yeah thank you so much all right asia wilson that was uh before the last game uh in victorious last night so the aces got back on the winning streak after the game last night uh, Doug Feinberg from uh, the Associated Press, uh, who's based out of New York, he asked Asia Wilson a question regarding Brittany Griner. Uh, and the latest news that came out of that story yesterday is that Brittany Griner is going to be still in Russia for at least another six months as her detention had been extended uh, you know, for another six months. Uh, this goes back to February. You know, accused of smuggling the vape cartridges in. It's been 131 days that Brittany Griner has been there. And the WNBA has rallied. They have BG42 on every home floor, including the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay for the Aces games. Uh, The WNBA is united. And a lot of people who've only seen Brittany Griner, and I know there's varying opinions out there regarding her, especially because they're vape cartridges, and a lot of people think, well, that's no big deal here because you can go anywhere, really, and get vape cartridges as Numchuck pulls his out of his pot. Oh, two? Three? Why do you carry three cartridges? I Four? It's two. Oh, okay. It's two. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Man. Seeing double vision there. But... It's a serious crime in Russia, but does it have, uh, you know, should it be this long? No. They're holding her because she is an American athlete and probably because she is a gay American athlete. I'm sure that probably has something to do with it as well, too. They don't think 
too kindly of that back in Russia. And, of course, there's a war going on with Ukraine and Russia's a mess. Brittany Griner should be back here playing at this point in time. I think if this happened anywhere else, it'd probably be a slap on the wrist and she'd be back. Obviously, there are a lot of people that are divided on this subject, feel that the United States government, including the president, is not doing enough to bring her back. The NBA, Adam Silver, which is basically the parent company of the WNBA, Kathy Engelbrecht, the commissioner, they really haven't been too vocal about this. Yes, they've said we're trying to do everything we can to bring her back, but it is another country. It's another country's government, and you have to go to a higher power, basically to the presidency of the United States to help bring her back. So meanwhile, Russia just detains her. Uh, We got some pictures of Brittany Griner yesterday, and really for the first time it looked like she was just really down, downtrodden, not good. Um, we know that Brittany Griner's wife has, has been very outspoken, trying to go to all forms of national and worldwide media to try to bring Brittany home. But, you know, back to what I was saying that a lot of people don't have a good view of Brittany Griner is she's a great basketball player, but she is really beloved by the WNBA community. Her teammates, I mean, she's a U.S. Olympian, you know, Olympic gold medalist several times over, uh, so there are people on the Las Vegas Aces, the Olympians of Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, that feel very close to Brittany Griner, especially Asia Wilson, because they both play in the front court. Uh, they became very close over the years. And uh, so when Doug Feinberg asked a question last night at the press conference, and when Doug asked it, I was kind of like going, ooh, and... Asia broke down. She broke down and, and and cried. And I don't want to play that audio, but I will tell you what, uh, at, at, at a respect, you know, for her and the Aces, it, it was very, you know, I took it as kind of a private moment where Ava was, uh, rather Asia was in tears, very, very emotional. But I, I will tell you what she said. She said, when asked about, seen Brittany Griner earlier in the day and hearing about the detention lasting for at least six more months with her next court appearance in Moscow July 1st. Asia's quote was this, it was tough. I hated seeing it. It made my stomach turn. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. BG is our sister. She's our sister and I pray every single day that the people that are in high ups are doing everything they can to bring her home because it's unacceptable. And to see her like that, I can't even put into words because we talk about how great she is as a player, but that's a person. That's someone's wife. And she can't communicate with her. And I just pray every day. I pray every day that she comes home and that she's just healthy because it's so much deeper than the physical. It's the mental. It's the emotional. And anyone that knows BG knows her spirit is probably the best thing about her. Yes, she can put the ball in the hoop, but her spirit, I hate to see that stripped away from her. So I pray, I pray, I pray so much for BG, but that was just so hard to look at that today. A very emotional response from Asia Wilson last night, and, and me watching that, uh, it does, it does, it, it makes your stomach turn, but to see... 
someone who is, is close to her, and it's a fellow player, and it's a representative of Team USA, but it's a representative of your league in the WNBA. So, yeah, very, very, very sad story, and nothing seems to get, be getting done about this. That's really the sad part, you know? All right. All right, so great stuff there with Asia Wilson as far as uh, our, our talk and our interview with her. The Aces get the victory last night, and tomorrow they will be back in action in Seattle. Hopefully they can get make it two in a row. But you're playing Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird. Uh, it's going to be a tough task. And, yeah, the Seattle Storm, they're playing some good basketball too. We'll see. You know Jackie, uh, Jackie Young is probably going to be listed as questionable. Don't know. It, it, she is with the team because she got hurt last night. But as far as Chelsea Gray goes, she is not with the team. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, when we come back, it is time for some terrible Tuesday takes. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. One, two, three, four. All right, the rest of this week, uh, four great guests coming your way. George Shea will be joining us on Thursday. And the follow-up for Mickey Sudo's interview. If you missed Mickey Sudo's interview, the female-eating champion, the seven-time Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Champion, the queen of competitive eating, she joined us yesterday. Great stuff. That is on the website, on the homepage at tcmartinshow.com. Go check that out. George Shea. The maestro, as I like to call him, he will be on with us on Thursday. So uh, get ready for that because we know what's happening Monday. Monday, my friend. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Monday, the 4th of July, we will be off. So we will have a best of. And you will probably hear if George Shea is what I think he will be from Thursday's interview. Probably be part of the best of. Mickey Suda will be. I'll be home eating hot dogs. I'll be rapping away. I said a hip to dip. The ladies pimp. The women fight for my delight. Clone the grand master with the three MCs. This shocked the house for the young ladies. Give me the hot dog. The Vienna. The Nathan. It don't matter. Even a Miller. An Oakland A's. I say hey. I don't know where I'm going, but I like it. That's my jam. That's no, no, it's not. This is the beat. This oh, is the yeah. soundtrack of the 4th of July. Cody Island, baby. Mickey said you got to come. I do got to come. Should I ask you Thursday? I'm saying, George, get the plane ready. Nunchuck and I are coming. Nunchuck, he, you wouldn't go, would you? In a heartbeat. <laughs> no, but you tried to sneak me in the contest. No, yeah. I would get in the contest. Yeah, you. <laughs> George Shea's going to join us. We'll look forward to that. Scott Spritzer joins us. Friday will be at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. B. Sal will join us. Marco D'Angelo will be in the house as well, too. Uh, the list goes on and on. Tomorrow, Paul Buck Power Stewart. Maybe T.J. Reeves. I don't know. But, yes, Buck Power will be joining us tomorrow as we talk all things Tampa Bay, cricket, and more. Our, our good old jolly old friend from Wait, England. Tampa Bay and crickets? Tampa. Well, that's good too. That's good I mean, too. Yeah, you know, cricket. Or cricket. He, 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 he tried to call me out on social media saying, What do you got against cricket? He goes, and, and, and you're talking, you know, hot dog eating contest? I don't know if you saw my, my response, but my response was, Well, yeah. I said, I'm good at that. And I'm American. 
And that's what we do. <laughs> Us Americans, we eat hot dogs and we watch the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest on the 4th of July. That's what we do. All right. But everything else is terrible. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Oh, this is what you're going to do to me? The Cleveland Browns. The drama continues. Baker Mayfield is still a Cleveland Brown, but you really wouldn't know it, would you? Right? Because he's nowhere to be found at Browns minicamp, OTAs, as the Cleveland Browns have been unsuccessful so far this offseason in trying to trade the quarterback. And you know what's funny about this is Baker Mayfield is coming across like the babyface. He's not a heel here. And you almost kind of feel sorry for Baker Mayfield, don't you? Uh, Well, when we get to his salary, maybe you won't. But here's the deal. So Cleveland trying to trade him. The number one, the former number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, is due to make almost $19 million guaranteed this season. Now, the Browns have discussed a trade with the Carolina Panthers, but it has still not materialized. Why are the Cleveland Browns trying to trade Baker Mayfield? Because they went way out of their way to sign Deshaun Watson. And they went way out of their way to just open a blank checkbook, basically, and said, we're going to give you $230 million in guaranteed money. Yes, including... A $44.9 million signing bonus. That's yours to keep. Doesn't matter what happens. Uh, doesn't matter that we have Baker Mayfield. He's been with this team. Probably the guy that the team would like to have them lead. Mayfield, quarterback the Browns, with their first playoff victory in 18 years. Just two seasons ago in 2020. Last year he did struggle. Cleveland finished 8-9, missed the postseason. But... Mayfield has been away from the Browns as they excused him to rehab from his shoulder injury, non-throwing shoulder, because Cleveland traded for Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson was welcome with open arms at training camp, or rather at the OTAs. So the Browns excused Mayfield from attending the mandatory minicamp a few weeks ago. Mayfield admitted that he was frustrated that a trade didn't happen before minicamp, But he said he had no ill feelings towards the Browns fans. Baker Mayfield got to talk as he was corralled and cornered by some reporters. We're waiting for Numchuck. Is it unfair that you still don't kind of know where you're going or what's going to be happening? Um, I think, you know, I think I got frustrated with it not happening before, uh, you know, like minicamp and all those things. uh, But... That's, that's the stuff that's out of my control, and so, you know, let those things happen and, and fall into place. And so right now, I'm just controlling what I can and, and enjoying this. Would there be any chance of reconciliation there? No, I, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out, but uh, we're, we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. So Baker Mayfield talking, uh, but no, he's ready to move on. The Browns obviously have already moved on. Deshaun Watson, in related news... Having his hearing today, 
before the NFL and the NFLPA's jointly appointed disciplinary officer. That is taking place today to figure out what the NFL is going to do with him. Now, the NFL has got to do something. They spent a lot of money on hiring a private investigation unit to go figure out what's going on here. The NFL is recommending a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson. Now, the investigation of his inappropriate sexual conduct during these massage sessions is still going on. But he recently settled on 20 lawsuits against him, but he still faces four active ones. Now, the NFL will present the cases, is presenting the cases actually today, of five women, four of whom are still among those who are suing uh, Deshaun Watson as supporting evidence for its position during today's hearing. Now, we'll hear the results of that coming up a little bit later today. Oh, meanwhile, so you got Baker Mayfield that you're going to pay $19 million that's on your roster. You know what the Browns did today? They decided to sign another quarterback. And who's that, you may ask? Jacoby Brissett. That's it. They much traveled Jacoby Brissett. The much ham and egg quarterback Jacoby Brissett. I feel sorry for Brisket, but man. So, you know, let's compare Baker Mayfield to Deshaun Watson just from a numbers perspective because the Browns clearly believe that Watson is so much better than Mayfield, even though they've invested so much time and effort into Mayfield. And you don't even know what you're going to get with Watson as a player. But you know for darn sure, he's probably not going to be around to play. So what are you going to have to do? Play Jacoby Brissett. Because they've upset Mayfield. He's done. He probably won't show up if you can't trade him. And plus, if you're the Browns, you got no leverage to trade him right now. Everybody knows you want well, you want to get rid of him. So, if we're comparing these two quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, in his career, has 104 touchdown passes, 36 interceptions. Okay? Compare that to Baker Mayfield. 92 touchdowns, 56 interceptions. Okay. So, that tells you Deshaun Watson, a little maybe a little more accurate. I think both these teams pretty similar. Texans and the Browns, neither one very good. Completion percentages, Watson 68%. Mayfield 62%. And they've both been in the league relatively the same amount of time. Yardage. Deshaun Watson, 14,539 yards. Mayfield, 14,125 yards. Pretty close. Their records. Deshaun Watson, 28-25. and 25. What has he won? 28 and 25. Baker Mayfield, 29 and 30. That gets talked about a lot. Okay. Because I guess the expectations were higher for Cleveland, right? Even though the talent wasn't there. Comebacks and game winning drives. Deshaun Watson has eight comebacks and 10 game winning drives. Mayfield has six comebacks and seven game winning drives. Pretty similar. Really, all of these stats, these quarterbacks are pretty similar, except for one thing. One has a massage problem. One has a tuck and rub problem. A rub and tug problem. Is that what you call it, Numchuck? A rub and tug problem? Rub and tug. Yeah, has a rub and tug problem. See, I, I stay away from those places. So I, I, won't, I don't know the proper vernacular. One has a touchy-feely problem. How's that? One has a sex problem, it sounds like. And the other, well, <laughs> doesn't. 
One is likely going to be suspended now, we're hearing, for up to one year, maybe at the minimum. One year. One is guaranteed $230 million. Mayfield had a base salary of less than a million dollars each of the last four years. Now, granted, he had some guaranteed money, but it was in the neighborhood of about $5 million. He made about $10 million last year as a quarterback. This year he's going to be he's going to make $18.8 million. And Deshaun Watson will just make a heck of a lot more than that. But he's not going to be around. More than likely. Okay? I have to preface it like that. More than likely he's not going to be around because he's going to be suspended. So why, Cleveland, do you do this? Why on earth would you want to make this move? And why wouldn't you want to keep the quarterback that is your quarterback and hasn't been horrible because you're not replacing him with an Aaron Rodgers. You're not replacing him with a Tom Brady. You're not even replacing him with a Russell Wilson. You're not even replacing him with a Ryan Tannehill. I mean, come on. This makes no sense whatsoever. But then again, it's the Cleveland Browns. So we'll continue to monitor that. Record scratch, please. Ah, there you go. You know, I just love the record scratch. All right. This kind of pains me to say. Not really pains, because I'll tell like it is. I got a problem with announcers. The Houston Astros announcers. That's right. And I pretty much enjoy listening to Todd Callis. And I loved his dad. I had his dad on my show on a pretty regular basis way back in the day. Uh, Harry Callis was one of the best voices of Philadelphia. NFL films, the NFL, the Eagles, the Phillies, like I said, uh, Major League Baseball, did it all. Well, Todd Callis means well, but he's teamed up with Jeff Blum, the former uh, Astro player. Uh, And both these guys do a a, a pretty good job on the broadcast. They do. So I don't want to say that I have a problem with them on a daily basis because I don't. Okay, But Saturday, I'm watching the Astros and the Yankees. Christian Javier is rolling along with his no-hitter going. And during the course of this game, right, it's a nine-inning no-hitter, right? Now it's combined. You know, Javier went seven, Hector Neris went one, and then Ryan Presley went one. So they combined the three pitchers for a no-hitter. At what point in time do you think that Todd Callis and Jeff Blum mentioned that we might be having a no-hitter here? Never is the answer. This game is rolling along, and you see that Javier's rolling. Okay, it's fifth inning, sixth inning, seventh inning. No mention. Now, I'll get to my reasons why you should do this in a bit. But this finally goes on, and finally, after the third out is made, the 27th out, all of a sudden, it's jubilation in the broadcast booth. It's like a cannon went off. It's like the fireworks exploded. Hey, three Astro pitchers have combined for a no-hitter. It's the 14th no-hitter in team history. Going crazy, right? Where was any of that before? Well, Jeff Blum explained it after the, the final out. He said on the air, I didn't want to say anything about it because, well, I didn't want to jinx it. And I knew that this, this, I knew this. I knew when they were mentioning this that this is where they're going. Because Blum's a former player, but now you're a broadcaster. You are a broadcaster. 
You are not sitting in the dugout. And Todd Callis has never been a ball player. So shame on him. But let's not pretend that we don't know what's going on. Like this baseball crazy superstitions that we have. Ooh, don't talk to the pitcher. Leave him alone. Everyone keep him on an island. Yeah, yeah. No, you're in the broadcast booth. You got to tell people what's going on. You know why? Because people don't watch baseball for the most part at the beginning to the end. You got people coming in and out of a broadcast. You have to reset things. And you should have it on the television screen. We could tell you who's pitching and the relief pitcher and how many pitches he's thrown, right? But we can't say we're in process of a a potential no-hitter here. We have a potential history-making event here. Put down your television screen, but instead we can scroll down the bottom lacrosse scores and college baseball and softball scores and other nonsense of breaking news or not even breaking news, but you have history in the making, and people may want to say, oh, I had no idea. I just saw the scores three to nothing here. I'm going to tune in now. But if you're listening to the announcers, they're not mentioning a damn thing about it. And they can't see it because there's nothing on your screen except for the guy batting 197 and the pitcher who, what his name is. And that's it. Balls, strikes, outs, no mention that you got a no-no going on. I have seen it on the bottom like you're like you're saying, yeah. you know, 7 point, you know, 7-1 of of no hit innings. Right. 7.2 yeah. of no hit. ESPN will do that. I've seen ESPN do it. I've seen the Angels do it. Correct. I have seen oh, I, everybody I, yeah, do it. Yeah, everybody do it. Yeah. Besides yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to take the approach of they don't want to jinx it. Guess what? No one you are up in a booth. You're up in the second deck, third deck of Yankee Stadium. You're in the mezzanine level. Nobody can hear you. Christian Javier is going to say, oh, thanks a lot, Blummer. You blew my no hit. You jinxed me. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Now, we fast forward to Sunday. Jose Urquidy is rolling along. It's like deja vu. A no hitter through six innings. This thing can happen again. And guess what? No mention of it on the Astros broadcast. Didn't learn from it. No director, no producer said anything to them. So... Then he finally gives up a hit with one out in the seventh inning. That breaks up the no-hitter after six and a third, right? And then we get a little mention of it. So I was a little curious because I really do like the Yankees broadcast on the television side with Michael Kay. And Michael Kay is doing the game with Paul O'Neill. So I decided to start flipping back and forth because, piquing my curiosity, I guarantee these guys are talking about it. And, of course, they're talking about it. They're saying... Even to the extent, Michael Kay says, it's now 16 innings that the Yankees have been no hit. Now, this is his own team. The Yankees have been no hit for 16 consecutive innings going back to Saturday. He even had this great stat, which I used yesterday. Thank you, Michael Kay. And the Yankees broadcast uh, you know, uh, statisticians. They said the Yankees are 0 for their last 52. They haven't touched the Astros haven't recorded a hit since Friday night. And this was on Sunday. Yes. And I talked about yesterday how the Astros dominated this series for 34 of the 36 innings. But you had Yankee announcers being professional and telling you, hey, we got a no-hitter going. Even though it was against their own team. And it was like, we got a no-hitter going for the second day. And the Astros 
ignored it for two straight days, thinking that they were going to jinx their pitchers. Totally unprofessional. Totally unbelievable. More Astros broadcast news here. Or I should say blunders. Now, Clay Hensley, he's a former pitcher, pitched for the Yankees, even pitched for the Astros for a little bit. Clay Hensley has a part-time job with the Astros back in the studio. All right? Post-game show. He's analyzing the game. All right, so this goes back to earlier in the week when the Astros beat the Mets. When they swept the Mets. All right? His post-game, he's talking about Luis Garcia shutting down the Mets lineup. Take a listen to how Clay Hensley, the former pitcher, now part-time broadcaster with the Astros in the studio, is describing Garcia's performance and Ryan Stanek, I guess, and the rest of the Astros pitching staff for shutting down the New York Mets. It was nice to see him change speeds and really just shut down this lineup. Now, right there, that slider, with that wipe away slider, was one of the ones that Alonzo struggled with the entire day, shutting him down, shutting most of this lineup down with that wipe away slider. He did it. Okay, did you hear that? Now, we're going to play it back just in case you did not hear that. He referred this to the white boy slider. Now, we've talked about this before where I hear things sometimes and go, am I hearing this right and playing a back play up? You be the judge. It was nice to see him change speeds and really just shut down this lineup. Now, right there, that slider, with that wipe away slider, was one of the ones that Alonzo struggled with the entire day, shutting him down, shutting most of this lineup down with that white boy slider. He did it. Nubchuck, what did you hear there? White boy slider. White boy slider. Now, do you have any idea? Now, I know you're from Chicago, and I understand we have white castles around here in Las Vegas. Now, yes. by the way, people are asking me if I've been. I said, no, I will not go. Mm-hmm. I'm not a white castle guy. So that is, really? that is not the white castle white boy slider. Is that on the menu? No. Okay, it's not. All right. So when you think of hearing Clay Hensley say, wow, that's that white boy slider, that vicious white boy slider, what do you think? You know exactly what I think. He being racial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I... Had I've never heard, you know, been around baseball a long time, never heard of that term. So I decided to ask one of our former, I shouldn't say, one of our former players who are on this show on a regular basis. I will not say the name, but you could probably infer we have several, but there's a couple that are on here on a regular basis. And I said, and I played it back for our former Major League Baseball player. Insert name here. Yeah, right. Thank you. And he said, never heard of that before. I said, what is it? He goes, well, I take that back. I've never heard anyone say that before. I said, so how would you describe it? And he goes, it's basically a nasty slider. And we've never used that term, but that's really what it means. So when I first heard it, I said, you know what? They can't be saying white boy slider. He's got to be saying wipe out slider. Because we've heard that before. That's a wipe out slider. Because you're wiping him out. Sit down. Third strike. Take, 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 take a seat. But to hear him say white boy slider? Now, I'll give you the definition that our former Major League Baseball player said. After you hear it one more time. 
It was nice to see him change speeds and really just shut down this lineup. Now, right there, that slider, that wipe away slider, was one of the ones that Alonzo struggled with the entire day, shutting him down, shutting most of this lineup down with that wipe away slider. He did it. So, our, our good colleague says it means a working man's slider. A working man slider, like a blue-collar working man slider, which still I don't understand. But still, nobody has ever really used that and from a broadcaster standpoint. Now, we've heard people get in trouble before. Why has we not hearing anything about any repercussions from Clay Hensel here? Why? We have not. And again, I am not advocating for anyone to lose their job. Not at all. I'm not saying that. But I'm just begging the question that people have lost their jobs for a lot less. But maybe it's baseball, right? I don't don't know. Well, Tom Brenneman lost his job, right? You know? Several other guys have lost their job. And then, you know, we got Jim Cott, who made the comment. We played it on a Terrible Tuesday two weeks ago, right? Jim Cott said this. That favorite pitcher being kind of like Devin Smeltzer, Nestor the Molester, Nestor Cortez. Man, he is fun to watch. What's worse? Saying Nestor Molester is fun to watch. Basically Jim Cott being old, saying like, oh, he's got some nasty stuff there, right? But what is more offensive? Nestor the Molester or the white boy slider? Numchuck, what do you think? Which one is, is there one that's more offensive? I think they're about equal. <laughs> But I mean, to his, you know, discretion, he might have been thinking big boy and White Castle and just kind of mind farted and really, really in Houston. You're not going to find a White Castle in Houston, my friend. All right. Stop. It's not like they are only <laughs> in Houston. They travel. <laughs> they travel. They to, travel. They travel to Vegas. Have you been to the one in Vegas yet? I love White Castle. Have you been to the one in Vegas yet? Yes. Oh, you have? Yes. What do you love about it? I've been, it? so I've been to, there's two in White Castle, or two in Vegas. Okay. Now. I've been to both. Okay. And I've been to the one in Gene. What, what do you like about it? You, you need to try it and you'll, you'll realize. Okay. It's amazing. I, you know, I, the pictures that I've seen and everyone else that I've, you know, I just, it has a rep for me of being the late night spot in Chicago going and they're cheap and they don't look very good. They don't look good, but they taste good. They taste good. They taste. They taste amazing. better than the the crappy Jack in the Box uh, one. Uh, yes, you, you know what I'm talking yes. about. Okay. Yes. How about the Monster Taco? Does it taste better than the Monster Taco? <sighs> Jack Tacos. You like that? Oh my God! Hold you, on. That's not real beef, you know. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> After a night of drinking, I know that people are going to say to me, "Well, we know you like the McRib." Okay, guilty. Exactly. Guilty. Exactly. <laughs> What is the McRib? Tell me what the McRib is. Uh, I don't know, but it tastes pretty good. Maybe it's a barbecue sauce. There. All right. Yes, yeah, very questionable with all that stuff. All right. Ah. Whew. We will have to continue next hour as we have more terrible Tuesday takes, more from the baseball diamond, and we are going to talk about the brawl that occurred. And actually, it was a brawl. In Anaheim over the weekend between the Mariners and the Angels. And yes, I'm going to reference another brawl between these two teams back in the day. All right, so hang tight for that. Also, guests coming up next hour as well, too. So hang tight for that. Chuck Esposito will join us. And our golf guru, Scott Savloff, our golf television producer extraordinaire. Always great stuff with him. And uh, we'll get his report from uh, the tournament that he put on last week, the celebrity tournament where the big seven-footer, big Bill Cartwright, Tony Kukoc, and others were there. And we'll talk about the PGA and the LIV 
It, this thing gets more and more heated, more and more defections, seems like every day. So we'll talk to Scott Savloff regarding that. Plus, more Terrible Tuesday takes. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Doink, doink, doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious osmosis why it's funny it wasn't it wasn't funny i wasn't laughing about it yeah it's not funny it's not fun nothing's funny don't you ever talk about me yeah i don't know that's the idea that's the result you're gonna get it's the doctor tc martin i don't go out there and laugh the doctor is now in hour number two here on this terrible tuesday we'll have some more terrible tuesday takes when we come back at you at the bottom of the hour check esposito will join us also from red rock from the gaming side and we talk a little golf. Hush, quiet, please. No, we're not quiet with Scott Savloff. We're not going to be quiet. Not at all. We don't expect that ever, ever, ever. My man, there he is. The, uh, as I like to say, the greatest golf producer of all time. If Ricky Henderson can be the greatest base dealer of all time, then Scott Savloff can be the greatest golf television producer of all time. What's going on, my friend? If Ricky Henderson is in that sentence, should I just refer to him like Scott thinks this? That's right. Scott said this. <laughs> That's it. Scott believes that this person should be the best golfer. I'll just go third person the whole time. The whole time. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know this, Scott, but I was at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum the day that Ricky Henderson uh, broke the stolen base record. And he went after he stole third base. Uh, did the belly flop right over, and then got up, grabbed the base out of out of the the dirt there, and put up over his head and says, "Ricky is the greatest of all tie, tie, T I E." There's no M. You sure well, not there's no E. I don't know. I, I, here's here's my Ricky story. I created a show this forever ago called the World's Fastest Athlete, and the idea came to me sitting in a bar of course. And it was taking baseball players, football players, and track athletes when track athletes were actually known in the United States where people knew who they were. <laughs> and and then it put them all on a baseball field. They all ran bases and were timed. And they all ran a 100-meter dash, and they were timed. And then they did, out of a three-point stance, a 40-yard dash, and they were timed. And the, and the guy with the lowest time cumulative was deemed the world's fastest athlete. And I created that show. And it was on ABC's Wide World of Sports. I was a kid, but I created the show. I remember it. And Ricky, thank you. And so Ricky was one of those guys. You had to have him. Everyone's, you had to have him. Vince Coleman, yeah, had to have him. Dion had to have him. And Ricky was sitting next to me, and due to an injury, I put Devon White, who was with the Angels at the time. And Devon White was pretty fast, long, loping strides. And he's sitting next to me, and Ricky Henderson was talking to us about Ricky. And Devon looked at me and goes, I'm lost. Who is he talking about? This Ricky. I go, I think 
it's him. He's like, no, why would he talk about Ricky? And it felt like we were in that Seinfeld sketch. Yes, right. About Jimmy. Yeah, right. It was like Jimmy. And that's what I felt like with Ricky. That's a fact. And it was one of the funniest bus rides of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyway. That is classic. I just had to throw a little... Little uh, Ricky trivia right back at you. No, and I love it. And tell you what I'm going to do. Because you told that story, I am going to tell you a story and everyone else here. I, I can't, and I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember if I've told uh, my audiences before years ago or not, but I, I am going to embarrass myself right now, and I have no problem of embarrassing myself with this story. So <laughs> when I... Um, I want to say when I first got into broadcasting, but it it pretty much was. And I had an opportunity to interview Ricky Henderson on the field prior to a game. Now, I don't have the year exactly. I can't really remember. But it was towards the tail end of his career. And I kind of got the feeling it was like the last year of his career. And I was like a kid in a candy store. And I'm so excited that I'm going to go one-on-one with Ricky Henderson. And I figured, okay, there's going to be other media guys, or uh, you know, they're going to be in there and 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 try to you know you know get their microphones in and, and kind of like you know do the you know the whole right. you know the whole thing the, with, group thing. the the group thing exactly. But for some reason, everybody else just kind of stayed away, and I don't know if I had people fooled, Scott, or what. But oh, this guy's got a one on one with with Ricky, so we're just going to you know back off because a lot of times I'll do interviews and then people will do the portal thing. Okay, it's cool. That that that's fine. And they'll want to get some sound bites. So I'm doing this. It was like my first major interview. Do you remember back in the day? And you did a lot of TV, so you might not have. But a lot of us radio guys would do like the DAT machine. And like it's like oh, a little, yeah. little DAT, okay? And then you plugged in your microphone into the, the, the DAT thing right there, a little, little small thing. And so I had this. The DAP machine, I think I had like in my pocket or whatever, and then it was a corded microphone. So I start the interview off, do my thing with Ricky Henderson, and he starts going into just what you're talking about. Well, you know, you know, Ricky this or Ricky that, and you know, talking about you know when he broke the record and said I was there, and we're going through all this stuff. And I had gold, Scott. I had pure gold, and I had about eight and a half minutes of me and Ricky Henderson, and I go back. <laughs> To you know, to the dugout there because like batting practice is going on, and I go in and I and I play it back. I got nothing, Scott. And I go down. <laughs> the microphone wasn't plugged into the damn dat machine. It was dangling the whole time. It was dangling. And there had to be people that said, "Look at this fool. This he's got a dangling microphone <laughs> that is not connected to the recorder." But but here's the thing: if you go up to Ricky, which you should have, and do it again, he loves to talk about Ricky. Yeah, right, exactly. He'll, Ricky, let's go over this one more time, just for our, everyone to clarify. Right, right. And he would have done it again. Right, he would have. He would have. And the thing about it was, he I got like faint. I got faint, Ricky, yeah, exactly. because I guess like you have a condenser microphone that's in there, right? So it was, it was like in my pocket, so he could hear. I'd be Ricky. I'd be. You could you could you could pick up some stuff. I'm going. Boy, how embarrassing is this? But that's okay. <laughs> I, and, and, and as broadcasters, we all have some snafus like that. There it is. But there we go. Let's go back to the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Let's go, Numchuck. Took a long time, huh? First off, 
I would like to thank God for giving me that opportunity. I want to thank the Haas family, the Oakland organization, the city of Oakland, and all y'all beautiful fans for supporting me. <laughs> I would like to thank my mom, my family, friend, and loved one for their support. I want to give my appreciation to the late Tom Trevorhan and the late Billy Martin. Billy Martin was a great manager. He was a great friend to me. I love you, Billy. I wish he was here. Luke Brock was the symbol of great base stealing, but today I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but that was—I guess—that was before thir- third-person Ricky. Well, he would have done the Ricky next. Yeah. Ricky believes. Hey, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great exactly. stuff, man. Great stuff. See, who would have known? I mean, we cannot call Scott Savloff our golf guru anymore. I mean, he, you're all over the you're all over the place. That's beautiful. now he's just the guru. You're just the guru. I am the guru. <laughs> no, no, I, Scott I is the guru. In the genie pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott <laughs> is the guru of all time. Exactly. Yeah, All right. Exactly. Hey, last time we talked with you, you were getting ready for the for the Walgreens tournament, the big seven footer. Yeah. You know, they're the celebrity classic. So now we got to get the recap. We got to get the recap from you, my friend, uh, Mister Tournament Director. Uh, how did it go? Did the se- the seven footer now? Before I tell you what he told me and, and our audience, you tell me how the seven footer play that day. You know, he's very very. Deliberate is the best way I would describe his game. Now, no matter what I do or say, the only thing that we have to get a picture of is we gave out these these baseball caps, okay, with from the golf course, the Onwensia Club cap, and it had like the sticker, you know, the, like the tag on the hat with every hat that was given out. Now, everybody else took their tag off. Oh, not the big seven-footer. He's wearing tag like Wang from Caddyshack. I love Wang! And I'm like, uh, hey, Wang, don't you think you should take your tag off? Nothing. He takes his time. He hits, he hits his drive. <sighs> little left, little left. And I'm thinking... Is it like a tassel for graduation where you put the tag on the left side after you hit the ball? Like you graduate. Scott, you should have no. said to him, you know, you should have said to him, hey, you get a free bowl of soup with that? Exactly. Uh, man. He, well, and, and who does he play golf with? The chief medical officer of Walgreens. So he <laughs> keeps it under cool. He's not like going to go out there and give me grief. Nor is he going to light up a cigar because that guy's going to look at him and give him the Dikembe shake off. No, 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 no. He's he's just going to keep it cool, keep it under wraps. That's how he played. Who does he think he, he is? I mean, I, Ice Cube back in the. I mean, that was a thing back. Remember in the '90s where oh, the tag would keep our tag on the hat. I mean, it's like right. I was like '90s. What, what's he doing? Well, and and he that was usually under 21 years old to do that. 
Come on, Bill. And he's not wearing the dark socks and the baggy, like like you think he thinks he's a member of the Fab Five. Right. So that's not, <laughs> he was not going for style points. He just didn't want to take that off. Now, what I will send you, which your viewers will will have to be described by you, is he did a salsa dance. He took a salsa lesson while playing. And he actually was very good, which surprised a heck of a lot of us is that he's a fine salsa dancer. <laughs> Just giving you a little bit more feedback. Oh, That's my... how he played. That... If, if the highlights of his game are that he had a tag on his hat and he took a salsa lesson, it doesn't say very much about his golf game. Right. <laughs> now That's what stuck out for me. Uh... But, but I did talk to Tony Kukoc, who has a word with you about hygiene. He wants to have a conversation. <laughs> oh, no. There you... I shared with him. I said, look, our friend out in Las Vegas was commenting mightily about his hygiene. And what came back was hygiene, huh? <laughs> there you go. That's exactly where we're at. He was Set it mm. up. Set it up, my friend. Mm. Set it up. Well, he. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's going to be it's one for the ages. Now you should, but, but the tournament I got to tell you, it was the warmest day in Chicago. It was like ninety eight degrees, but it had a nice breeze. It was sunny and warm. It was a fantastic day. We raised uh, for Red Nose Day and for Comic Relief, the, the charity of Walgreens. We we you know we are over a million dollars in in our raise. And I got to tell you, you know, just a wonderful effort by the team at, at Walgreens, and, and I'm just privileged to be a part of it. All right, so let's go. Breaking news. As our astute producer, Numchuck can only do, yeah. we decided, or Numchuck decided, to get the big seven-footer on with us right now to find out the mystery here. Big Bill Scott Savloff has just told the world that about your golf game last week in Chicago, but the question is, why didn't you take the tag off your hat? What is up with that? Well, well what I'm trying to explain to Scott, and uh, <laughs> speaking of hats, uh, talk to us about Gilligan's hat. <laughs> that was a new hat as on my head. So to represent the newness <laughs> Of the hat, and it was a Walgreens hat. So I, so I would think that, or I'm sorry, it was the uh, Alencia's hat that he would appreciate it. Uh, it looked great and represented uh, something new, spanking new. Why tear it off? So that's all I'm trying to help. That's all I'm trying to help him with. We had a brand new hat. Well, the most amazing there. part of the day, honestly, wasn't even the hat. It's the salsa. He was the salsa king. He is Victor. Look, Victor Cruz has nothing on Bill Cartwright. Zero. <laughs> well, we'll get to the salsa here in a minute because I'm dying to hear that story because, you know, Bill and I are always talking about music and dancing and, and, and a frequent many clubs, uh, you know, in lounges. So no problem with that. But now where you just didn't want to take off the hat? I mean, Scott thought that maybe you just felt like it was like graduation, like the tassel, that you went from one side to the other. Did you just not exactly. want to have people thinking that you were struggling you know, to take it off or you might rip the hat? But Scott said everybody else 
took off the tag. And so when he's telling me the story, I'm going, Bill thinks he's, you know, in the early 90s. He's thinking he's, he's Ice Cube days or something. That, that you're making a fashion statement there. Uh, or you're still, you're thinking Fab Five or something like that. That it's, it's a cool thing to do to keep the tag on. Well, you said something that I agree with. Now, you said everybody else <laughs> tore it off. So that meant to be right there. Right did in there. I did the right thing. <laughs> I said, never doing what anybody else is doing. It can't be the right that, thing. That is true. That he will not do. <laughs> but it's so, you, you. You probably look kind of goofy. Did you think that you might look kind of goofy, and you'd have people taking pictures there, and you know they're just saying, well, "Who's the goofball that didn't take the tag off his hat here?" What did he do? Just, I mean, did he? Would he get it from a, a store? What it happened? Was like he was the. It was like he was the fresh prince, right? Of Chicago, that's what he looked like—like like. Like the fresh there, prince of Chicago with his now, little uniform cap. There, there you go. Now, one person could have gotten me to take that off and tear it off, and that was Artis. I Gilmore. tried. Now, oh. now, no, 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 no. Artis was there. Artis Gilmore was there. Now, if Artis said, "Bill, you know what? Maybe take it off." Now that that would have motivated me, but ours was good. Ours was good. Uh, so if he's good, I'm good. All right, so let's get to the salsa part now, Bill. What's that all about? We got a little, little salsa dance going, or what? My buddy Scott challenged me to uh, salsa dance. Now he did not want to participate in it, which uh, I would have liked. Oh wow! So he challenged me from by his salsa uh, gal. To, to get up there and do a little salsa, so um, I, I was good with it. Got up there, moved around a little bit. Hey, I got it. I, I I tipped my cap with my tassel on, <laughs> and I would say <laughs> the salsa king is Bill Cartwright. <laughs> I'm telling you, Victor Cruz is looking up to Bill in many ways. <laughs> oh. That's right. Man. Wow. Now, now listen, we never thought we would see the seven-footer do the salsa dance. We thought we would see him do the twist before that. Scott, have you ever seen no, him do the salsa. twist? No, no, salsa. <laughs> salsa dance. He wants to bring it all. Salsa. Well, here's the thing now. I mean, as we know, the seven-footer's getting up there, so maybe the salsa is just more of his pace then, then the twist. The twist, you probably have to exert a little bit more energy, right? Oh, I, I've got. I'm telling. I've got the. I've got the uh, the artwork. I got the the, the footage of this. <laughs> well, oh yeah, got, there it is. And all I all I can say is, you know, Bill is probably sitting back going, "Well, just send it to the producers of Dancing with the Stars. I'm ready." There you go. What about that? You'd be down. You'd be down for that, right, Bill? <sighs> Nah, you know that's not my genre. There, I do uh, I do very quiet private shows. Something that's special. <laughs> not, I'm not I'm not I'm not open to the general public. Yeah, exactly. He does lap dances. You've got to have a big laugh. That's all. That's right. That's 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 what it's all about. All right. Well, Scott said he w- he was uh, very impressed with your game, though, right? I and mean, you said you shot pretty well that day, right? But the the the, the, the pace was a little bit slow, I think. Uh, no, our our group was uh, we. I'll just say we we had a lot of fun in, in the group. The Walgreens event 
was was great. Scott does it. Scott and his team they, they do a great job. Um, great people there, fun, a lot of laughing. Uh, great course on a Wednesday at Lake Forest. So uh, it was a fun event, uh, very well done. And, uh, you know, we just had a couple of sidebars with it. So it was, uh, it was, but it, but it was, it was mutual fun. Do you still have the hat? And is the tag still on the hat? That's well, a good question. Yep. That, now that is a great follow up question. That, I mean, that's what I do, Scott. So there you go. I, 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 hit, the, uh, the, I hit the important questions. <laughs> Exactly, a professional. Um, I do have the hat. As a matter of fact, let me look at it right now. Yeah, oh, take a picture and send it over. I, I, we yeah. got to see this. There you go. Yeah. I do have the hat, and, and, and fortunately, it is not right with me, but I, I do know that, the, uh, unfortunately for you guys, uh, it is still in the same condition. So the tag, the tag is still. He is w- with with tassel. That's how you describe. It. He is with tassel. Beautiful, Beautiful hat. It's a- very 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 well done. Oh, there you go. Too funny. All right, uh, Big Bill. We appreciate you. Uh, you know, joining us here today and, and having a little fun with that. Uh, we we appreciate that. We we had to go right to the source. So uh, I know we probably you know in- interrupted y- your walk today, or you know having having a cigar, or who knows what you were doing today. But uh, we appreciate that, man. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm at the body shop uh, <laughs> getting my uh, getting an estimate on my car. Uh, there, there was a slight collision in there and uh, and a side of my car. Now I'm not going to say who did that, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a wife. So yeah, we got <laughs> that would have been my guess. Oh, oh no. boy! Oh no! Oh oh boy! You know you know what you might want to do though, before you leave the body shop, make sure you get the hat out of the back of the car because that hat with the tag on might be a valuable piece. You don't want that to go missing, my friend. That's true. No, yeah, someone may feel that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people are going to want that ad now. Yeah, or better yet, we're, we're, we're going to bring it back the collector's item. item. <laughs> that's right. We're going to bring it back. The uh, tag stays on. You buy a hat, leave the tag on. Leave it on for a while. So do the hat. <laughs> let let everybody know. I'm dying to see this hat. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah. And and if you ever find my hat that got stolen off my head in Chicago, let me know. I will never return it. <laughs> there it is. He's not returning. Wow. I know exactly. Hey, Numchuck, did it? Did it have a tag on? It sure as hell did. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm still go. feeling that hat too. Uh, yeah, so you don't know that story, Scott. Uh, we uh, Numchuck, uh, uh, you know, Bill told the story that you know we were talking parade talk, you know, in celebration of the Warriors last week. So we wanted parade talk from Bill, and he was talking about how he got his hat, you know, ripped off for, from his head. And uh, next thing you know, Numchuck is showing me this championship hat that he had because Numchuck went to every one of the Bulls' parades. Uh, the first three. The first three. The first three. There you go. So uh, we might have some controversy. Numchuck, next time the seven-footer comes to town, you might want to take the day off. Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah, wow. I am, I am a little suspicious, and I am still looking for for, for that guy. <laughs> right. Uh, same guy you're looking. For, it's the same guy that elbowed you in the throat. It's a different guy. You're still looking for that guy too. 
As you've told yeah, us. I am. Yeah, there you go. I am still looking for them. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to find them, but yeah. I'm looking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, I appreciate you joining us here today, man. Enjoy the rest of your day, and make sure they don't rip you off over there at the body shop, okay? I'll, I'll see what I can do. Well, my wife's here, so I'll let her handle with that. Yeah. So there, there won't be any uh, you know, there won't I, be I, any TC, I... I, I thought with his dancing moves, the body shop is like some, you know, some <laughs> club that he's at that he's doing his dancing. That's he's true. Doing his salsa, uh, they have like salsa on the on stage. The what do you need salsa for? Salsa is now the number one condiment in America. Do you know why? Because people like to say salsa. <laughs> there it is. A little salsa. Do you have any salsa? We need more salsa. Where's the salsa? No salsa. <laughs> Yeah, it must be impossible for us. <laughs> there it is. Uh, there always plenty of Seinfeld references when we have the big seven footer. I don't know why, but yeah. we do. Yeah, there you go. And and, and no, but let's let's not, let's just get away too because TC, I have seen him throw some moves on the dance floor. <laughs> so let oh boy, him get away with that. I've seen it. Yeah, except my, he's got, wow, got some old school moves. Uh, he, he does, and he's not not shy about uh, showing them, especially when you start, you know, pumping up the jam. Now, I wouldn't call this, you know, I wouldn't be shaken up to this. You do know why I'm playing this one. The B-52s? Yeah, did, did we talk about this last time? Yeah. You danced to this. Oh, I did dance to this because you had me going. Yeah, I can't remember what the topic was, but. No, there's a video of you on the internet dancing to this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the engagement party. The, the false engagement party. Yeah. There you go. All right, enough of that. Yes, we can exchange moves wow. any, anytime. Salsa, uh, you know, retro, old school, pop and lock. Uh, I'm down for it. We'll get Bill with the salsa and the twist. Scott, I don't know what your specialty is. You know, you seem like, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know. What does Scott seem like to you, Bill? What, what kind of dance moves would, would Scott throw down? I'm not sure. Scott is cheesy right now. He's uh, He's got to transform from a... a vibrate young man to a little older gentleman. So I'm I'm, I'm not sure where he's at right now. We have to give him a walk. Yeah, he's a combination oh. between the mashed potato and the jerk. You know, some some no, some uh, some decade no, just, in between. Just hold on there. Just just hold on. You, you were playing some of my kind of music in the B-52s, but mine was more in the ska music. I like uh, the new wave music, all that stuff. Now I remember in the day going to a club and and uh, the Talking Heads were playing, oh, and yeah. I was so excited to see them. And somebody, I'm not saying who, pulled us out of the club. Let's go. <laughs> that's probably because UTP, somebody else I, I on know, this call. Let's I know. Go. I know. I don't that, like these. That's guys. because Let's he probably go. wanted to go see some George Clinton or some Parliament Funkadelic. And he said, hey, we're not doing no, no talking heads. No. We're not we, doing Depeche Mode. We wound up going somewhere and having a beer, but it was, no, I don't like these guys. Uh, Didn't geez. like talking heads. No, I remember that. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> See, I get you. You're right. That, that probably did happen. So I'm, yes, I'm getting out of there. You know what? I I play. Exactly. I used to play See? Talking Heads. You yeah. know, it, it, one of my and I love and I love that music. And that's what, that was my jam. But no, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talking Heads had a really good song. They had a dance song that I used to play back in the day. Uh, well, it, and it, well, it, you could cross me, over. Yeah. You could cross over with the Talking Heads. 
Well, you could go to Pesh Mode and New Order and all those bands. That was my jam. That's uh, what I danced. Uh, you, you know what, Bill? So Scott had to be hanging out. If he was in, in Sacktown during my DJ days, he would have been at, uh, at the second level, Galactica 2000, the old second level, because on Friday nights, that's what we did. We, played, we, had, we had the New Wave night, and I was playing every one of those groups that you were talking about, Savlov. Yeah, you could have you could have joined in with the people who were in the blue hair, all that stuff. This could have been you. And that's fine with me. And then Saturday we night, don't. we wouldn't have allowed you in because then we're going all funk on Saturday night. We wouldn't have let you in. And I'm good with that too, but, but I'm just giving you a little bit of my stuff. That's all. My side of it. Wow. Little Depeche Mode, wow. New Order, never back. How, how, uh, hey, uh, you can't go wrong with West End girls. Are you kidding me? It's one of my all-time favorites. No, burning down the house was what I was what I was talking about. I used to play burning down the house. Oh yeah, exactly. We'll go we'll go to the break with that one. So, there you go, guys. All right. Well, guess, sorry, Scott. Uh, the seven footer used up all of your time uh, today. I know. There's no liv That's talk. What he does. There's no golf talk today. And I well, wanted to hey, hear about Froggy. My world. I wanted to hear welcome some Froggy's talk. World. Jeez. <laughs> wow. We got we, yes, exactly the bench load. The bench load. <laughs> oh, come on, Jesus. dude. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, I can hardly wait for the three of us to go out. I mean, who's picking the place? I mean, there's going to be some major problems here. I, I would say that is a very accurate assessment. <laughs> I'm gonna, have wow. to, I'm gonna have to take over because you know I'm in charge of the food, and then you know afterwards, there you, go. you know, I don't know, the 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 nightclub scene or the dance spot afterwards. I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, one thing I, the big boy and I will agree on the scotch and the and the cigar. We're I was good. just gonna say that you know I end up in a cigar bar. That's for darn sure. But what are the we're all good. What are the music choices? I'm bringing my boombox. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate it. Seven footer, we'll talk. We'll talk to you later. There he is. All right, Scott. Scott, take care. All right, Scott, we got to have you back on so we can talk a little, uh, little liv update. You know, PGA and all that stuff. So we'll get, we'll get you back on, brother. Sounds awesome. All right, be well, everybody. There it is. There he is. He's he's dancing off, bobbing his head right now to burning down the house, and the hits just keep coming on a terrible Tuesday on the TC Martin Show. And more Terrible Tuesday takes. Ooh, yeah. This is Bill Cartwright of the University of San Francisco Dons. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. He does not know Westerns, but he does know his sports. I will be there to get him right as much as possible. Oh, boy. You never know what you're going to get here today. Never know what you're going to get. There it is. All right, we continue on. Back to sports. Back to the Red Rock. That's where we go in the station casinos and our good friend, the pride of Chicago himself, Chuck Esposito. What is going on, my friend? I'm all good, T. It's just, you know, football is uh, not that far away. Basketball and hockey just ended, and uh, 
just kind of surviving baseball right now, buddy. I know. You know, we just had a a, a riveting conversation uh, with uh, uh, the seven footer and also a uh, one, one of our famous uh, golf uh, television producers, and the the topic got uh, swung to. Uh, Chicago and a couple different things, Chuck. So I got to ask you two questions. One: uh, Are you a fan of um, the the Talking Heads or Depeche Mode? Uh, what what is what is your your musical genre? Say back in the day. <laughs> I'm a big '80s rock fan, buddy. Yeah, there you go. See, I knew it. I knew it. You know, I knew that'd be good. And then, and finally, Chuck, and you're probably an expert on this. Uh, what is your opinion of White Castles? Oh, I was gonna guess. <laughs> Come on, do you even have to ask? Man. <laughs> Everybody loves White Castles. I mean, especially if you're from Chicago, right? You love it. But, I mean, Chuck, I mean, do, does that White Castles burger even stack up to anything you have over there at Red Rock at the Yard House or anywhere else? I mean, I mean, it doesn't, right? Of course. I mean, the, the food's awesome here. But you're from Chicago. You know, it's a, it's a deep dish pizza. It's a White Castle. It's a... Portillo's Italian beef. Yeah. Come on, I, man. I know. Oh, Portillo's. I'm, I'm getting hungry just talking to you, buddy. Now, Port, but see, those, the way you describe with Portillo's and this and that, I mean, those are like, I don't want to say they're, they're the Cadillacs of that food category, but they're not the, you know, they're not the Volkswagen. And come on, the White Castle's is probably, it's like probably the Yugo. Wouldn't it be the Yugo? Come on, they are the Cadillac <laughs> if you're from Chicago <laughs> and you have a chance to, to, to have a deep dish or a White Castle oh. or Portillo's. Come on, man. It is it is part of Chicago. It a is. hot dog from one of the, you know, uh, one of the, the hot dog stands. I mean, it's just, you know... It's a, it's just different, yeah. you know, buddy. It's just different. I'm with you with the deep dish pizza, whether it's Dewey or Uno or or you know <laughs> any, any, any of them. You know, Giordano's. Giordano's that, you yeah. know, yeah. you know, Gino's East. You, you know, yeah. I, I could go on all day. You know, but I Chuck. thought we were going to talk some sports. No. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Chuck. You know, come on. This is you know the end of June here. I mean, come on. I mean, these are kind of the dog days. We got to talk food. What are you talking about? <laughs> Chuck, what is your pizza I'm of choice? I'm good, buddy. I'm in. Yep. I'm in. What is your pizza what of choice? What is Chicago Chicago pizza of choice? You mean which place? Yeah. Or if you which to, place? If you had to pick one, yeah. God, you know, they're all so good. I mean, I, I you know, coming from the northwest suburbs and, and having an opportunity to go to Lou Malinade's, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's great, man. I, I'm good, though, buddy. I, I, I'm all good. I, I love going back there and, and just enjoying the taste of Chicago. You know, t- Chuck is one of those rotating pizza guys. I can see that. I can appreciate that, too. You're one of those rotating guys. It's not like, okay, this is my only pizza you know, that I'm going with. You go the rotation, don't you? If I'm back there, I would, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, I got you. Have you had Aurelio's? <laughs> I have. I have. Yep, I have. What are you doing? Yep. Taking over the taking over the conversation now, Numbchuck? Well. <laughs> Mr. Chicago? All good stuff, boys. All good stuff. Of course it is. You know, hey, <laughs> food is what makes the world go around. I mean, food, sports, and music, Chuck, right? And that's my motto. And not necessarily in that order, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> there, you know, there you go. I'm, uh, I, I could go to Greek Town in Chicago and have a you know great dinner down there. There's a number of spots on you know Rush Street. Uh, it's just it's uh, hey. You got me thinking. I'm a little homesick right now just having the conversation, boys. I, I know, and you won't mind going over to Ohio Street to Harry Carey's either. I know that. 
I would not mind. I would not. Yeah, mind. that's what I'm talking about. That's, I, I I missed that, no doubt. Hey. So, all right. There, hey. No. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Holy cow! There we go. Uh, we deliver. Love it. We love deliver. It. All right, my friend. Uh, yeah, we'll talk some sports with you. So, how was the final game of the the Stanley Cup for me? Handle perspective and just overall, Chuck, as you you grade out the Stanley Cup Finals with the Avalanche and, and the Lightning here, because uh, we know that television ratings really uh, were not that good here in the Las Vegas market. I'm very curious from a betting handle, how did that in in comparison to maybe? Well, I know you can't compare it to the NBA Finals, but maybe comparison to last year's Stanley Cup Finals. The handle was really good from our side of the counter, guys. Um, you know, I think it's hard to, to judge the Vegas market with, with no nights and not even making the postseason. I think it kind of changed everybody's kind of maybe outlook a little bit on the postseason. But I can tell you from our side, uh, you know, from as far as the, the handle in both the NBA and NHL were, were phenomenal. We did much better on the NHL. The, the betters and the guests on the other side of the counter really did well um, on the NBA, especially after the Warriors lost game. One and they're able to win four of the next five. They bet them when they were a plus price in the series. Bet them all five of those games that were remaining and cashed four of those five tickets. Um, in the NHL, we were clearly Abs fans, though. Um, I think just the two-time defending champ, Lightning, the difference between the pipes in, in Vasilevsky and Kemper, really the, the betters backed that side. So we were we were rooting for it, uh, you know, to end. We were in good shape with the future book. Uh, they just don't really bet one of the preseason favorites that often. They're looking for, for more value. And I think Tampa during the course of the year wasn't quite as dominant. There was a little bit more value there. And just getting that two-time championship team and Vasilevsky at a plus price was a little bit too appealing. But overall, I um, thought it was really good from our side of the counter, guys. Chuck, what was the avalanche early season? Do you remember what their future odds were? I believe they were co-favorites, guys, uh, wow. you know, very close to them and the Golden Knights. I think they were right in that five, five-and-a-half to one, six-to-one range um, to open the season. Wow, wow. Okay, good stuff. And usually, you know, just, you know, usually for all future books, I think, not that, you know, the favorites don't get some play, but really it's looking for value, you know, up and down the board uh, throughout the course of the season when teams make moves or are, are playing really well. Uh, and the team just seems to be playing, you know, meshing together better. They look for value, I think, in all sports, kind of middle of the road. And you don't get that, that liability usually on the favorite. Uh, throwing the Knights out, of course, which is a, a totally different animal. All right. So, Chuck, I would imagine maybe you were uh, Astros fans over the course of the weekend, that great series with <laughs> the Astros and the Yankees. And the Astros very easily could have swept that entire series. But, you know, the last two games on Saturday and Sunday – I mean, the Astros were close to, you know, uh, rather the Yankees were $2 favorites. Uh, but, uh, again, a crazy series where you can make the argument, which I did make the argument, that the Astros outplayed the Yankees for 34 of the 36 innings. You know, buddy, we were definitely Astro fans, no question. Um, you think about, like you said, 34 to 36 innings. They held the Yankees to, a, you know, a batting average of less than 150, uh, yet they came away with a split. I don't think the Astros could have played any better, and maybe the Yankees overall as a team, any worse. And yet the Yankees still split. So what does that tell you kind of of how good they are right now? 34 games above 500. There's a dozen teams in the league that have 34 wins or less. Um, So, you know, people ask me tonight, who are you rooting for tonight? We clearly are A's, Rockies, and Tiger fans tonight. 
as they go against the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Yankees. And that's pretty much the case every night where, you know, the action is on the good teams and they're playing them on the run line and fading the bad teams and betting against them on the run line as well. But uh, we were clearly Astro fans, guys, for all four days. Right. And, you know, talk about the Yankees yesterday. I mean, they're a $3 favorite. I don't know what you close at. I'm guessing maybe even higher than $3, but three and some change. And then the A's are out to a 5-1 lead. And you got to be thinking, okay, this is pretty good here. And then I'm just wondering, because I didn't look, what the in-game situation was for the Yankees at that point in time. And I'm sure there are people that are probably hammering that. And what happens? Six-run inning for the Yankees with the game going away, what, 9-5? to five? It's craziness, right, Chuck? So you get a 5-1 deficit. And you think, okay, well, okay, they're not going to win every game. They're done. But no, say if you go away from the book, you go have dinner or something. All right, go go over to Blue Ribbon, have a little sushi, you come back. What? I, 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 I still cashed a ticket on the Yankees? Unbelievable. Ah, you're, you're opening up some, you know, some, some bad wounds. I mean, oh. it was funny, but it was 5-1 to one yesterday. We were trying to change our luck, you know. We were like, maybe we should just start rooting for the Las Vegas A's. <laughs> and this is going to do it. This is going to change the luck. And, you know, it didn't happen. I mean, it was uh, uh, pretty much by the time I left here, it was, I think it was 5-1. to one. By the time I got home, it was like, well, it's, uh, they're trailing now. So, <laughs> right. it's, you know, it's not surprising when it comes to the Yankees, really, guys. Are, are you really getting that, I mean, heavily one-sided money on the Yankees, even when they're that heavy of a favorites? We are T more so in the in the parlays. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about this, yeah. especially in baseball, where guests don't mind throwing a big favorite in a you know three, four, five, six, seven, eighteen parlay, and and that's a big part of kind of our market and business. And yes, we we still are getting extremely one sided. You know, tonight especially, I think it's more parlays than straight when you look at the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Yankees. Right. And the Dodgers, I mean, they're a big favorite, you know, last night and they scored zero. Couldn't get on the board against Colorado last night. And then now you got Saved Clay- us. Yeah, yeah. And and but I just don't know about this Dodger team, Chuck. I've said it before. And, you know, it's 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 crazy. They had to come from behind on Sunday night. They had zero going into the ninth inning, then they rallied. And then they beat the Braves on Sunday night, and maybe the the travel factored into it. You know, uh, going to Colorado. Well, uh, I don't know what happened, but tonight you got Clayton Kershaw and another you know big favorite here tonight. But I don't know how much his breaking ball, you know, really, you, uh, how good it really is in that thin air in Colorado. Well, I think if you look at the Dodgers too, I mean, uh, the injury to Betts, um, Heaney, Trinan, they've had a lot of injuries. You know, I mean, Heaney looked like somebody could come right in and, and step in again and, and was back for one game and then got hurt. So, you know, I've heard them already tied to the Luis Castillo or a bunch of other pitchers. They're a team like the Yankees that are going to do what they have to do um, before August 2nd and go out and get somebody. They play in a tough division, too. I mean, you look at how well the Padres have played, and they're going to get um, Tatis back at some point. The Giants have been kind of in that, you know, in that small group of teams, including the Yankees and Mets, for Wilson Contreras. Um, so I think the Dodgers, it's more of a product of being a little bit banged up but, you know, if they're healthy and they'll go out and add those pieces, I'm not worried at all about that. Um, the betters are still going to back them. And, you know, you, you look at Sunday night where both the Astros and, and, uh, and, and um, Braves, that we could have won both those games against the Dodgers and Yankees um, easily. Not only did we lose both those games, we lost them both on the run line as well. 
So, I mean, those two teams, it seems like the majority of the nights when they win, they also cover the run line. All right. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. Well, Chuck, never too uh, early to talk about the NFL. And I love it that you guys have got so many props that you're coming up with here and you're you're throwing them out there right right now. Uh, and I saw the the most receiving yards and rushing yards. You have props up there with uh, so many, uh, you know, uh, great running backs and wide receivers up here. I think it's pretty interesting here. Uh, are you getting some early action, you know, when you dish out these sheets, uh, you know, for like rushing yards and receiving yards, even though it's only June? Yeah, I think more people right now, TC, we just kind of put these up. They've been up for about um, 48 hours. I think it's more just kind of grabbing them. And like I sent you that note, it's never too early um, to talk football. I think with the NBA and NHL both ending, football becomes the uh, you know to the forefront. Everybody wants to talk about it, and once teams start going to camp, even with tennis stretches going on and more teams making the baseball postseason, you're going to see a number of preseason games where the handle just dwarfs that of what you see on a um, on a baseball game. So hey. We, we love putting these stuff up, this stuff up. I think the trading team here did a phenomenal job of kind of going through the stats and researching it and the analytics side of it and, and putting it all together. And uh, we put all this stuff out there right now, and they're definitely getting some action, um, but really creating a lot of water cooler chatter. And what we're doing right now as we get closer and closer to the start of football, you have to remember the 4th is Monday, and August 4th is the first preseason game. It's the Hall of Fame game that happens to feature the Las Vegas Raiders. This is true. This is true. You know, looking at, at some of these props and some of these players here, I'm really curious about Debo Samuel. And I, and I want to know what you think about him, Chuck. Is he going to end up with the 49ers? Because, you know, this is a guy that wants more money, and the 49ers are kind of cash-strapped. They've got to take care of Bosa. You don't know what's going to happen with Garoppolo. He's hanging out there. But it really depends, I think, on what team Debo Samuel you know, gets with. So say if you bet Debo Samuel right now at 12 to 1 and he goes to another team, you have him listed as San Francisco, but I know that that really doesn't matter. If he gets traded, I mean, you still got Debo Samuel no matter what, right? That's correct. We actually say it doesn't matter what team they're on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, in his case, number one, I think Lynch, Lynch and Shanahan do a phenomenal job. I think they understand the talent that they have and how he fits in that system. Personally, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is there. I think, you know, um, it hasn't been talked about much, but once he gets a a clear bill of health, I could easily see him getting moved. And for me, if I had to make the betting favorite a team right now, I would make the Cleveland Browns the betting favorite for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, But I think in in Debo's case, he's such an all-purpose guy. And this isn't just all-purpose yards for a wide receiver. He'd be number one. It's strictly receiving yards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they run the ball a lot. They use Kittle a lot. They've got Ayuk, some other young wide receivers. And I think that hurts him just a little bit. Um, But there is some value there at that price. Um, that he could have a monster season as well. Right, all right. A lot of great props uh, up there, and of course, you know Derrick Henry, the favorite for uh, for rushing yards, which uh, obviously makes a lot of sense there. But you know, people are like you said with the future bets in, in hockey and every other sport. You know, everybody is looking for value here. Everybody would love to try to find a guy that's fifteen, twenty, twenty-five to one here. And you know, there are some interesting. You know, inter- interesting players here. You know, when you look at you know the rushing side, like Joe Mixon, uh, for example, and maybe a guy who's maybe a little bit under the radar, a guy like Najee Harris. You know, uh, for Pittsburgh, he's actually the guy that I think 
um, kind of possesses the most value. Um, uh, you know, just because they've got, they're going to have either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. I think they're going to look to run the ball a, a lot more this year. Um, and, and I think there's some value with him. In Taylor's case, I think with, um, uh, with, with Matt Ryan at quarterback, they have a more balanced attack. Love Henry, but he has carried a lot over the last four years. I know that he missed, you know, a portion of last year, but you look at running backs, you know, the age and the amount of carries. Um, so I think you're looking for value there. Cook now has a more of a pass happy or a pass minded, you know, coach there in Minnesota. So I think if you're looking for some value, um, you know, Harris or Mixon could be definitely, you know, guys that you kind of look at more than the guys who are the favorite or the top of the board. And in, like with these uh, these props, Chuck, is this something that you guys do just about every uh, this time of year, every year, and in, in putting them out? Is there some strategy with that, like when you're going to drop these things, or, or is it is it kind of a year by year thing where somebody comes up with an idea there in in your room and says, "Hey, you know, let's go ahead and do this," and, and talk a little bit about the procedural stuff with that? Yeah, we're always looking to to add more and more stuff. T, I think this time of year always becomes kind of the opportune time. Uh, again, with the conclusion of the NBA and NHL season, it's just kind of baseball right now. It was a different calendar last year where you still had NBA and NHL going on. For the next six to eight weeks, you really don't have that much. So, hey, everyone's going to start thinking about football. Teams are going to camp. We see more and more stuff in the media about football. So we, we kind of added more props this year. I think we're always looking to add more stuff, and we did it this year. Sometimes it's earlier and earlier every year. Um, but now is usually the time where we really start thinking about it. We're hammering out our, our rules, you know, going through everything for our last man standing contest, both pro and college. So in the next couple of weeks, you'll be even seeing more stuff that's kind of uh, filtered onto the app and in our, all of our books for football season. All right, to bring this back to the food, Chuck, we know what Monday is, right? It is, it is the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, one of my favorites. Are, will there be action on the board for Joey Chestnut, Mickey Sudo? Are we going to have action? What is the total consumption of hot dogs for Chuck Esposito, Jason Symbol, and Jason McCormick on Monday? I, I make Symbol the big favorite in that category, <laughs> but... Uh... Um, but, you know, we've booked it for fun in the past, and, you know, I could see us doing something like that again, um, but it definitely draws a lot of interest. There's no question. It's, uh, you know, watching it, it's like, oh, my God. But uh, <laughs> it, it is popular. There's no question about it, guys. And the thing with Joey Chestnut, I mean, you know he's the favorite, and he's probably going to win. I mean, what kind of number do you make Joey Chestnut or Mickey Sudo <laughs> in, in no the women? I have no idea, buddy. I mean, I mean if you want I'm me to... i honest. I have no idea. I see. I'm an expert. Chuck, I think you you need to to bring me in to to set these lines. But uh, again, I think I'd scare a lot of people off because they'd be like a minus fourteen hundred favorite because they're going to dominate. Again, I'm not sure, buddy. <laughs> you got to get some live. People are going to watch it. They want to bet on it, Chuck. There, you need the hot dog stand out there. You know, I mean, I'll let you decide the price point. You know, you got to do the dollar hot dogs or whatever. Uh, the morning before the July. It. We got to do this, you know? You know, get the, I love it. Get I the, love it from the marketing side. I love it. Get the Chuck Esposito, Nathan's Famous hat out there as well, too. Keep the tags on. Oh, yeah, that's what we got to do. <laughs> I love it, buddy. I love it. Get the SDN mobile app so easy to use. And maybe, just maybe, on Monday, you can find the the hot dog contest on there. Right, Chuck? No promises. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Exactly. All right, brother. Thanks for the time today. We appreciate you, man. 
All right, buddy. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. There he is, Chuck Esposito. We got it all covered. We got food. We got hot dogs, pizzas, White Castle, Chicago, NFL, future props, interesting stuff on the board there. Get the STN mobile app so easy to use. want to thank Scott Savloff for joining us today and the unexpected visit for the big seven-footer disputing whether to wear a tag on a hat or not. Salsa dancing and more. Asia Wilson, you heard from the MVP. Thank her, of course, as always. And uh, our good friend Chuck Esposito at the Red Rock. You miss any part of the show, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com. Check out our interview with the champ, the seven-time Nathan's famous hot dog eating champ, Mickey Sudo, from yesterday's show. It is on the homepage. Great stuff. Speaking of which, George Shea, the mouth, the creator, he joins us on Thursday. Action Pack Week. More coming your way tomorrow right here on the T.C. Martin Show.